Hello, Adam here. Real quick before we begin the episode, I'd like to inform you that as of the day of this posting, which is June 29, 2017, pre-orders for Red Markets are available on BackerKit. Please see the show notes for the URL so that you can pre-order your copy today. We here at the Real Point Exchange love Red Markets, as you can probably tell from our King of the Hill series of actual plays. We've also got an upcoming Red Markets campaign that we are running with our friends at Technical Difficulties Gaming Podcast called 2000 Lakes that explores the post-crash in the Midwest. Oncoming generation for this campaign is already up and can be found at www.technicaldifficultiespod.com. We will also be linking this episode and others that we don't host on our website. So, if you haven't already backed Red Market, swing over to Backer Kit and pre-order yours today. Anyway, thank you for your time. Enjoy the episode. When you're deep in a dark dungeon and the cleric's down and diet and you've taken all the potions you had left and you feel like you are doomed because the demon you sent loose is coming after you and you can smell its breath. Don't ever give up. Hello, welcome to the Roleplaying Exchange. I'm your host, Adam, and joining me, as always, is... Noah. Chris. In this episode, we're abandoning the alphabetical order. We've literally never done it in alphabetical yeah. order. What are you talking about? It's always been me and Chris. Really? All right. Yes. yes. Maybe I'll get the games confused. So. <laughs> I mean, one time, we, I, I jumped on Noah, and he got all mad. Yeah. Well, well, last time I was being real friendly, like, hey, welcome to the Real Point Exchange, and then everybody <laughs> made fun of me for 15 minutes. <laughs> it was quaint, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, good times. Well, I, I think I guess I'm thinking about all those Red Markets games we've been playing lately, and we introduce yeah. each other in alphabetical order, uh, which we got quite a few things in store for people later on. So, speaking of things in store... Today, we're going to be discussing, I guess, learning at the table. Is that how you would describe it, Noah? Um, I would say, yeah, learning and teaching, kind of depending on what side of the screen you're on. Awesome. Basically, your players don't know shit. Yeah. Very, very true, very true. Not shaming any players. Oh, I am. Well, I, I'm, for me personally, I'm the kind of player that, like, especially if I want to run something... I kind of need to play in it first and like I can get, I can gleam only so much from like looking and actually trying to read the book, be it PDF or like physical book, Mm -hmm. but actually getting in there with somebody who knows how to play um, and can, uh, you know, who can actually kind of explain the rules as you're going through them has always been a bit easier learning experience for me personally. Yeah. So. So, You know, you got that visual element, but it's, it mm-hmm. takes more of the hands-on kinesthetic to really cement it. Yeah. How, about you, how about yourself, Chris? It depends on whether or not I want to run or play. Because usually when I run a game for the group, um, it's because I have found a new system I'm interested in. So I'll end up obsessively reading all of it before I get to know it really well. Okay. But if I'm playing in a game... And I have like a vague interest. I'll. It's better if I'm taught basically by uh, somebody who's in the know. I'll skim yeah. through things basically. Yeah. So so like uh, with Delta Green, you don't necessarily run Delta Green too much, but playing Delta Green, you know the basic like D100 roll under whatever your skill is mechanic. 
but yeah. all the really kind of in-depth mechanics and sort of like yeah basically the, like the more in-depth mechanics and like how the the i guess i don't want to say tradecraft but like the the what is the word i'm looking for you're kind of talking uh, about the actual application of the skills. Yeah, it? like the best practices. That's what I'm looking for. Like yeah. the best practices for like a certain type of game. Um, you kind of learn as you go through it. It's not exactly. Like Which, to be frank with you, kind of going with what you said earlier. I mean, reading only does so much, and sitting down and playing is great. But if you know you're the GM, we'll switch the sides of the table for a moment. If you're the GM. You've got to be that source of information. And one thing, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've recently started doing from a game master's point, but also from a player's point is if I'm getting ready to play a new system, I'll look out and see if I can find any actual plays just to kind of check it out. For example, we've been playing the wrestling role playing game. What was that called again? Uh, I think it's just world wide wrestling, worldwide yep. wrestling and. To get a good idea of how to actually play, at least from a player standpoint, I went out and downloaded Ragnaroks. They have uh, several episodes going on. So, you know, I got to see the actual application of what they were doing. And that what's, you know, it was kind of a helpful substitution for having someone sit down and show me myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, and when I was first starting to run role playing games, because I was a player forever before I started running, I would actually even go see if I could find a scenario I was running. For there's murder of Thomas Fell. I think that's one of these little con scenarios they have for Trail of Cthulhu. <laughs> I remember that game. <laughs> oh yeah, before I ran it for you guys, God, that was a great day. But before I ran it for you guys, I ran it for my home group here, and I listened to somebody go through it, and it kind yeah. of just helped me out. Now I didn't do everything that this person did, but there was a few things that you know I was able to. I guess skill checks and things like that, when to ask people to roll and things like that, that was helpful for me from that standpoint. So, Yeah, definitely. Like I know um, when I was first getting into the hobby and first introduced to our friends over at RPPR, like, listening to a lot of their games kind of got me uh, a little bit more knowledgeable, maybe not as knowledgeable as like once I actually started playing, but like a little bit more knowledgeable about certain systems, especially like, Delta Green and Call of Cthulhu and Close Phase and, and games like that. Yeah. Um, definitely got me a bit, bit more knowledgeable about how to actually play those games with, especially in a group where nobody in the group really knows all that well. We're all kind of flying by the seat of our pants trying to, to run something. Yeah. Um, I definitely think listening to, uh, Caleb's initial like playtest run of, uh, No Soul Left Behind has been helpful in kind of learning how to, how to play and run uh, Better Angels. So where can people actually catch your playthrough of Better Angels? So I'm running uh, No Soul Left Behind, which is Caleb's campaign uh, for Better Angels over at uh, Technical Difficulties. Chris is a player in it along with Greg, Laura, and Adam over at TechDiff. You got some uh, real asshole players. It's it's mainly you and Adam and then Greg to a lesser extent, but you two are always at each other's throats and it's great. It makes for a great <laughs> listening, I think. So it's pretty so, check it out. Yeah, you guys should go over to technical difficulties and see who can out motherfucker which you know, who on that one. <laughs> yeah. Adam and I are really in the running. Yes, yeah, you are. So um, back to that though, Noah. Did you re listen to the campaign? Again? Um, 
when I was when we were getting up to gearing up to start the campaign, I started re-listening to portions of it, and like with my job, I can listen to podcasts and stuff like that. So there's I've listened to that campaign at least twice all the way through, and then I listened to the first few sessions again as we were gearing up to start that campaign. And now that we're actually in it, and like I'm running it and things like that, where it's it's more just the actual process of playing and uh, checking the rules and things like that as you play uh, to keep it going. So you have pretty much a very solid foundation that you're laying your game out on. Just from uh, I have a like a pretty good amount of knowledge, and it helps when some players, especially Chris uh, and Greg, know both better angels and the one roll engine in general. It's definitely helpful. Yeah, in in running. What can I say? Love me some ORE. Yep. I'm basically doing the same thing for Caleb Stokes' uh, Lover in the Ice for two former students of mine and two of their friends. Now, you know, I think I mentioned it to you guys off the recording beforehand, but like these guys are 23, 24 years old. It's not like, you know, hey, you're 18. How would you like <laughs> some? I- I'm not so gonna lie. I thought you were actually playing with your students, like oh my God, teenage no. students, and I was like, "That's that's a choice." No. Gotta, Here you go, kiddos. Have some horrifying penis monsters. <laughs> uh, my group. Is- I just need you. I just need an adult to uh, file a release form so I can play this rated R game with you. Mm. I think the review I got of that game for the first session was once. One character, not one character. One, I think of everybody's characters now. One player uh, mentioned something about the sex bad of abyss. So, yeah. So it was a little more of a mature content. But back on topic. By the way, Chris, we're running this game inside of a white utility van that I have parked outside of a school. There's candy. It's great. It's worth <laughs> it. <laughs> You're fucking with me. Yes, I am. Damn. <laughs> but because that would have been amazing. <laughs> The the way that I prepped on that game, of course, this is only works when you know these things have already exist. These recordings was I listened to, through the playthrough of it, and then I sat down and I read the scenario as it has been revised since they re-released it for the new Delta Green system and all. And it was kind of unique looking at what was written. And I'm sure Noah, you've probably got the same experience looking at something that was written and then looking. At- <laughs> the actual like draft of it that was recorded before it was written, mm-hmm. but it gave me a level of certainty by doing it that way that I can say that, you know, of a scenario that didn't come from my head that I haven't had before. So it was beneficial though. I do feel that I'm veering wildly off topic by going down this path, but so hmm, I guess one way we can, you know, prep ourselves is to have it modeled to us. So, so from from the the GM side, uh, especially if you're the the newbie to the system, um, like you're the person taking it upon yourself to run everything, you have some examples of like you can. There's some tools out there to kind of help you with learning the system outside of just nose to the grindstone in the book. There's there's things like actual plays. Uh, there's some books definitely have like some really good examples in the book of like how a certain situation would go down. That really shows you how the the game is supposed to be played. I know there, there's some systems out there that actually come with like demo scenarios that walk you 
hand in hand with both you and the players. Like um, the Fantasy Flight games, uh, Star Wars games have a there's their core books, which are kind of pricey, but really, really pretty and everything. But then they also come with a cheaper version that is the beginner's game, which is um, a pre-written scenario that is like step one, step two, step three. This is what you need to do to like actually run the scenario. Um, this is how these certain checks work. This is how the dice works. This is how a scenario should be kind of like built within the system. This is how you increase your characters, like improve your characters, things like that. And then it comes with a pared down version of the rules along with like some tokens and some dice and things like that. That's, that's actually a really great segue too. You're talking down about the pared down rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me go back a little bit with this. I think one of my first experiences of trying to teach someone a system uh, was actually, don't judge me now, but you like, t- fuck you, man. I, I got Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That's for our, Baby, baby boomer demographic, my pretty bunch reference. <laughs> so you? <laughs> no, I'm a Gen Xer. Now, <laughs> though I did come to a startling realization, I think I mentioned it to Chris, but I married a millennial. All this time I never thought about it, but I married a millennial. She's too busy, uh, ruining the pharmacy industry? <laughs> no, that, that industry's thriving, sir. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't I fucking know it. <laughs> I digress. So the first system. Big shot. (laughs) Yep, that is a drinking game. The first system I ever tried to run uh, or game was Hunter, which is White Wolf and all that. Hmm. Now, I think this was 1999 or 2000 or something like that. And like me and my group of friends actually had to pull together money. Like we were in a, God, do you remember Ancu? It was like yes. Sam Goody. I, I, oh my god, yes. Yes, I do. Now I'm having uh, fucking Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> it's like, is this a Midwestern thing? It's it's basically like a, a Suncoast or a Sam Goody or something like that. It's We had one in like the next town over from my hometown in North Carolina that was basically like the place to go to to get like movies and musics before the Best Buy moved in. But uh, yeah, they were really weird because they were like really spaced out like all over the country. And eventually like the one in Moorhead City, North Carolina was like the only one left in the company. Hmm. Like there was one single one left like in 2009. (laughs) (laughs) The one that I did as a red enclave now. The one that I used to go to was actually in Moorhead, Kentucky. So that's odd. Yeah. Um, it's an O'Reilly's uh, auto parts store now. <laughs> it's a hibbit sports for us now. But <laughs> the – so we had to pour money together. So it wasn't like I had a ton of resources to give out to people. I sat there and I took the book, studied the rules, read it from cover to cover, essentially. It's usually how mm-hmm. I do all these games when I'm, I'm learning them. And when I sat down with this group of people, I had a demo scenario. Actually, I was using one. I think it came with it in the book. And, you know, I just felt it was really hard. Of course, I was also 19. It was also like I was the only one that had remotely any idea what was going on. It was hard for me to 
get everything going. I mean, the narrative, you could get that out. And then, you know, you get to the situation and you start prompting people and it, it, it kind of comes around. But back in those early days, I mean, we just didn't have PDFs and shit like that. And more importantly, and this is something I found out while trying to learn worldwide wrestling was you can go to any website for most of these publishers. I know Delta Green's really good about this and just get a stripped down version of the rule set, like a, like a cheat sheet. Mm-hmm. And you've got your entire basics of your entire game down right there. So, you know, nowadays I don't have to be the only one that has a book. You know what I mean? If they don't actually have an own copy, cause, you know, I guess we can't expect all of our players to go out and buy the books, but you can at least provide them with, here's the, uh, need to know packet from Delta Green. So you yeah. know, here's your roles, here's everything like that. And that is a big help. There's That's also uh, a much more modern convention, though. Yeah, very true. Definitely, definitely. Um, like, uh, free RPG day just happened Saturday last weekend, and there were like free like demo packets for a bunch of different games that were basically, you know, here's how to run this like this really really pared down version of this game, and you know if you like it, here's the full size book that you can purchase and things like that. Um, yeah. I know uh, one game I've been looking into as sort of like a uh, not D&D fantasy game is um, Symbarum, which is a Scandinavian uh, like fantasy kind of game. Yeah. And they've got a an adventure and uh, basic rules like packet that you can download or I think you actually purchase for like 10 bucks directly from them as like a PDF. So it's definitely yeah, it's definitely becoming more of a a a common occurrence, especially with you know how yeah. fickle people can be with their money. You want to make sure that you can give them something pretty cheap to learn first, and then if they enjoy it, then they can spend more on it. Awesome, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I definitely I have a copy of a uh, Rune Quest we can now play. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> you guys sound real excited. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, you, like, how's your calendar looking? Are you, you oh, I'm, oh I'm, I'm, I'm real busy, guys. I, I could barely have time for this. Um. <laughs> oh man. So we've we've been trying some newer systems lately, particularly me running Deadlands. Uh, actually, Deadlands Reloaded, which is Savage Worlds plus the Deadlands Reloaded rules. Um, we've been trying that. Did our first game last week, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. yep. And so that's sort of a a new challenge for me because I've run Deadlands Reloaded a couple times, like a few years ago, and like I have the Savage Worlds like rule sets, and I've had a couple of games by them or a couple of games using that rule set, but I haven't touched it in a while. So running Deadlands is getting me back into a Savage Worlds kind of mood, and especially gives us something that's not entirely just like Eldritch Horror kind of game. It's yeah. sort of a pulp action with a little bit of horror thrown in because it's Weird West and there's zombies yeah. and shit. Wait, Noah, um, are you saying that we're typecast? I mean, I horror role playing is a really big part of the genre. It's like horror, then sci fi, then fantasy, like going from small to big at like the top three, I think. Yeah. 
Um, but so I'm starting to run that and like, I know the rules to a, a pretty good degree. Um, and just reviewing my, just the core Savage Worlds book gives me like enough to start to, to work off of. And then, uh, I know Darth knows the rules pretty well and Nathan knows the rules pretty well, but everybody else is <laughs> real, real new to the system. Yeah. So it was pretty so, it was obvious, huh? Yes, it really <laughs> was. Um, so it's just a matter of kind of as you guys start playing more, you're going to start picking up on like the basic rules, like the wild eye, which is uh, in Savage Worlds, if you're a player character or alternatively, if you're like a special like NPC, like badass, like enemy type you get an, an extra D6 that goes along with whatever, like, your trait or skill roll is. So, like, if you roll, like, a D8 for your skill, um, you will roll a D8 and a D6, and you'll just take whichever one is higher. Um, to, so, and that basically shows that your character is, like, the special, like, you're the, the story-important character, and that way you get sort of, like, second chances and stuff. But there's also a downside in that you can critically fail if you roll ones on both of them. But, yeah. uh, teaching everybody that you like every time you roll, you should be rolling your trait and skill die plus a D six for your wild die. Um, they actually sell uh, like savage world sets of dice that are like a core um, like D 20 set plus an extra D six. That's like usually kind of slightly different to uh, show that it's your wild die. I'm not going to lie. It really took me a lot longer than it should have to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it's and it's something that you you don't add them together or anything like that. It just goes along with your role as a as an alternative. Yeah. And then um, for everything except for damage rolls, you roll it with uh, unless there's like some particular like edge or hindrance or something like that where you don't roll that. So that that's like one kind of example of like kind of teaching the rules and people kind of figuring it out. It's just making sure that people. That people understand, kind of like, make sure that everybody's rolling what they're supposed to at the time. I also know that since we're doing this online and the Savage World system uses cards, we could technically use, I think, like, um, Roll20 or something like that to do cards as well. But I don't know if everybody has, like, a Roll20 account or anything like that. And yeah. it's it's just kind of easier for me if... Um, I have a deck of cards and I deal the cards basically to your on screen, like little picture. And then I tell you what you got. And then we go down the list, like, you know, from high card to low card. Yeah. Um, just so everybody kind of knows how that mechanic is supposed to work. That's going to get real complicated when I start getting into huckster magic. It really is. And I think, um, if you can get your hands on a, a personal deck, that you use for Huckster stuff, that would be... Pass. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll get it. I'll get a deck of cards. Yeah, <laughs> you just need a, a a full deck plus two jokers, one of which is red, one of which is black. Oh, man, I can use my super edgy pack of cards. Oh, God. So, Describe. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, well, a friend of Laura's was moving, so he was starting to sell sell all his stuff, like, generic nerd shit and uh he liked to collect decks of cards uh-huh. and one of them is a madness deck oh god and like oh, the, the queens in a straight jacket <laughs> it's so fucking tacky and i love it is that the tim burton deck uh no it's it's its own thing 
Hmm. I've got a really good deck tier two left over from my wife's bachelorette party, but I don't want to talk about what's on those cards. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You you don't want to get the Joker. Oh God. (laughs) Uh, I have um, the deck I've been using is my red dead redemption deck. I got from the rockstar like online store where I also got uh, a pair of red and black dice that are uh, rockstar and red dead redemption branded and a bar of soap. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it comes with like an in-universe bar of soap. Is it La uh, Soap or something, or La or whatever they call it? Uh, hold on, let me go over to my bookshelf. It is Alex T. Davenport's Eradicator Soap. Tough on blood and manure. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> That's how my day ends. So, Noah, getting back on to that actual Deadlands game that we're running. Mm-hmm. So you 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 have a uh, range of players with different degrees of it, uh, knowledge of the game. Mm-hmm. Is it bad form on, like, say, my part that the most that I did throughout this entire process was create a character and not and really not go into the Savage World rule set? Like, is there... I mean, we managed, and there was a lot of great help there at the table... Mm-hmm. to help out and stuff like that. But isn't it, would you say it would be kind of a player's responsibility, at least make themselves aware of like a precursory knowledge of the, of the system, perhaps? I think it's, it's on both the GM and the player that if it's a brand new system to not try and jump to like the hardest, like class air quotes. Yeah. Um, like if say, I was to run Shadowrun for you guys. I would not make. I probably wouldn't make most of you like a mat, like a a complicated magic or or hacking character. Um, I would probably start you guys off as like a bunch of street samurai, and then make somebody who I think kind of has a better grip on the rules, like one of the more complicated characters. And I wouldn't necessarily. Throw, I mean, um, someone like me is very invested in that fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I would make you a, a Technomancer, which is probably the most complicated character class. Um, <laughs> You'd make me iBoy. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I would make sure that both the, the player and the group is like comfortable with what they're playing, that they, they kind of have a an understanding of what's supposed to be going on, how the characters are supposed to work. And then I wouldn't be throwing anything too complex at them out of the gate. I would keep everything fairly, fairly simple. So like with deadlands, uh, when I ran the, the, our first session, which is me just kind of bullshitting some stuff. I didn't throw anything too, too overly powerful at you guys. I had like maybe two, wild card uh, opponents that you managed to uh, pretty soundly defeat. And that's mainly because they weren't doing like a lot of like their higher end stuff. So, so you gave, that's, that's, you just give somebody a bunch of mooks and a general objective. Yeah. Like something, something very straightforward. Like if I was to do a shadow run game, it would probably be like a really, really basic kind of heist. Like the, the term would be like a milk run, something that is, absolutely the easiest thing to do that like shouldn't have any real major complications to confuse 
yeah. or obfuscate or anything like that, like the rules. You want to keep everything yeah, clear and simple. Okay. Uh, here's something else I don't know if you really thought about about this. And I know we're talking a lot about our current game of Deadlands, but one of the things that helped me learn what little I did learn about Deadlands and so forth was – you gave us gave the entire group an opportunity to sit down together and create a character. So, mm-hmm. I mean, having having the GM there and the more knowledgeable players available to answer questions about stats and mm-hmm. what everything was, and I really kind of set everything off, at least for me, to give yeah. me a reference. Having, I definitely think, especially when you're going into something brand brand new, I keep reiterating words i'm noticing that when you're going into like a brand new game it's best if like the gm you get just get everybody together to kind of like throw things at the wall and see what sticks as far as like both what characters people want to create like what kind of classes or what they want to be able to do with their character what their character's goals are going to be what they kind of want to get out of the setting um things like that uh, getting everybody together to kind of discuss that and say you know Hey, I want to play this kind of character. Looks like, okay, well, that's going to be a little complex. We can maybe start with this and then build you up to that, something along yeah. those lines. So, like, if we were going to do a Shadowrun game, like, again, if somebody wanted to be a rigger, which is somebody who controls like drones and robots and stuff like that, I wouldn't recommend that out of the gate. Those are pretty complex characters to run, and especially for a starting character. It's a very big like skill and currency cost in system to create a, a character like that. So I would say don't do that. Maybe start as a hacker and then build into that um, so that you kind of get a basic understanding of the hacking rules, which then plays into the, the drone control rules and things like that. So essentially give them a simple character run and then more or less a tutorial mission like you would see in any type of video game. Where a, yeah. a jump, X fires, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And if you can, especially if you people are enjoying that, that, that first session, try and make that tutorial like scenario session, whatever you want to call it. Try and make that sort of like your prologue or like your actual introduction into the full campaign. So like yeah. there's some stuff going on in like that kind of initial deadline scenario that I'm hoping to kind of go back to like, the the mad scientist and the ghost rock and things like that yeah awesome chris we've kind of been dominating this here you you pretty much had to teach everyone how to play the new unknown armies and we're still learning even though i own the books you know but (laughs) well i'm trying to go from a to use another teaching term pedagogical standpoint okay Pretty much every session, I'm go- I try to introduce a new complication and uh, pull out an idea that you guys haven't used before. So, like in our very first session, I you guys I, I had you guys come up with what you were doing, and then I threw in certain ideas. Then in the next session, I suggested maybe using a ritual, and then like as time goes on, like I add in little complications that throw in new rules hacks while still building up the old stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's usually how I teach in the most for the most part in any game. Like when I was teaching a bunch of people how to play base raiders, the hardest part was cr- character creation and then just getting them used to spending fate points and having more narrative control than they're used to. 
So you would you compare it to say like scaffolding? Like you're laying down scaffolding or building up a certain knowledge set and then you're gonna introduce the next thing and yeah, the next thing. Yeah, it's like building a house. Yeah. You guys don't really realize it when it's happening, but by the by the time I'm done, uh you all have a full knowledge of the uh, game. I mean that's yeah. why when we're doing season two of Unknown Armies, which we're gonna be recording, you'll have a pretty good idea of how the game works. Yeah. So, Noah, you did it before, and I know you're doing it again this year at Gen Con. Uh-huh. Delta Green. Yes. Uh, which, which scenario is it? I, I can't recall. Uh, I've run uh, Convergence, which is the actually the first like Delta Green scenario before Delta Green was like officially a thing. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a real basic scenario of uh, investigation in a rural uh, Tennessee town. Which you guys have played in, and I don't know if that ever actually came out on the. No, we God knows, <laughs> we weren't recording at that point. Oh, um, that was when I played Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think it was, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's you know it's a pretty basic scenario. That's just and you, the PCs investigating a town, and I've run it at Gen Con once before. Um, or some people that have never really played uh, Delta Green before, and I was using the new rule set, which uh, the fine people at Arc Dream managed to supply me with some uh, some supplies for the game, which are basically like these neat little packets that were like, here's how the basic rules work, and here's how you make a really simple character and the character sheet and everything all kind of folded up together, which... Um, is really a really useful tool, and I would definitely check with any games that you want to run, especially if you're running them in person for any sort of helpful aids like that. So having character sheets ready, having like a little sample packet, that kind of thing, having those is, is really can make things go a whole lot smoother. But when you are running a game for like, especially in person for new players, um, you definitely want to like prompt them for stuff and kind of explain as you go along especially if you only have like a four hour window to uh, to get through the game. So I would, um, we've kind of gone over things like this before and like how to do online games and how to do con games, but uh, teaching them as they go is, is really important in the con game too, because that's where a lot of people learn or get like their first taste of certain games. Um, so I would, you know, I basically told them how to make their character, like follow these instructions, um, you know, roll this many dice or just choose from this array, add that, add in everything. These are the, the basic skills that you get for playing like an FBI agent or a forensic pathologist or, or whatever. And then when you want to do something, just let me know and you'll roll these dice to do that. And then I can tell you like how much damage you're supposed to do and things like that. And then, you know, if I prompt you for anything, it's to still the, the same basic roles. Um, you'll look for these particular skills. These are the ones that you will be using. These are the ones that you're going to be focusing on, things like that. So uh, having them, uh, like, not getting too, too bogged down with the sanity rules and things like that. Like, uh, if worrying about it when you come to it, like crossing that bridge when you come to it, as opposed to like trying to explain everything up front and like eating up all of your game time, focus on the mechanics as they come up in the set in the the session. That's that's definitely like the the big thing is 
not worrying too much about teaching them everything. Just teach them the the important things. Okay, that makes sense for I guess any any game other than you know not just a con game. Just they can pick up the other stuff as as you keep going. Uh, how did you think it went your first time running the Delta Green scenario? Uh, I thought it went really well. Um, the the players definitely seem to have a good time. So what are you going to do different now that you've done this one time already? So anything in particular you're anticipating for this new batch of people unfamiliar with Delta Green? Probably not. I'll probably try and get my hands on those packets again, have them like laid out and ready to go, and then as people come in, nobody really shows up on time. Uh, people will show up, kind of, they'll kind of like trickle in. And as they show up, I'll, I'll ask them, like, you know, I'll probably have pre-generated characters this time. I won't have people make characters. But I'll, um, I'll have them, like, I'll explain, like, the basic rules and things like that, like what they're going to need for dice, what they need to know about, like, the setting and the system. As people come in, kind of give them like really, really short briefings. Like, you know, this is a D100 system. It's just, you know, you just need two D10s, one for a tens place, one's for, uh, the, the singles place. And, uh, you'll roll those. You just need to roll underneath your meet or underneath your skill to succeed. If you roll over, that's a failure. Yeah. Um, critical failures and critical successes are match numbers, things like that. And then, um, like, this is what these particular skills mean. This is what these particular attributes mean. Um, other than that, don't really worry about it too hard. Um, as this profession, this is going to be what you want to focus on. As this profession, this is what you're going to want to focus on. That kind of thing. Yeah. That's cool. Did your game already sell out? Uh, I believe so. Sweet. So if between now and August, if any of you guys would like to game with RPX's own Noah, then... Check out Convergence. Uh, yeah. com- yep. I've got two games of Convergence happening. Uh, f- one on Friday, one on Saturday from 12 to 4. Show up because I'm sure some people won't. Uh, and if you've got like some, some generics, <laughs> generic tickets, you can hop right on in. Hey, the death uh, wish. Yep. You know, see if you can uh, make it all the way through the scenario and not go completely crazy or not, you know, have amnesia and fall off a, a barn. You smug motherfucker. You're pretty still proud of that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> it was, that was move, fantastic. <laughs> but I'm the good guy on the group, man. Anyway, I guess nobody's safe in Delta Green. Yep. The good guys <laughs> suffer that much worse. Okay. So I guess being able to anticipate your audience, too. Seems like, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that that's just kind of more of a generic kind of running a game yeah. thing is being able to read and understand your your particular uh, player audience. I think it's about all. I think it's about all we have on this particular topic here. Uh, for now, I'm sure some of our fine fine listeners will uh, remind us of something we, yeah. we maybe missed. Uh, we already need to do a second episode on romance and gaming. That's. <laughs> That comes next February. Yeah, <laughs> I can't get a lot of nice compliments on that on that on the art for that particular episode. Broke out my MS paint skills on that one, boys. So, Chris, anything new been going on in your world down in the hellscape that is Florida? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, so 
as Noah mentioned earlier, last Saturday was free RPG day. And uh, I asked Laura, my wife, to uh, take the day off so we could spend time together and go check it out. Because we have a friendly local game shop. And and how did that go? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, the Adventure Game Store in Davie, Florida is a fantastic place, and everyone should check it out if they ever end up down here at some point. Unfortunately, because Florida's terrible. Don't go to Florida. Um, but, uh, the Adventure Game Store is fantastic, and I love those people to death. Uh, we ended up getting a bit of a late start, and uh, they were starting to do their things around 1, and we showed up at 2. So, there, we, we came in, and there were two games running. One was Numenera, which seemed super interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was obviously full at the time. Of course. And the second game was a basic role-playing system game that I've vaguely heard of, but I've never actually played. Uh, have you guys ever heard of RuneQuest? Uh, I have heard. Is that Glorantha? Yeah, it's Glorantha. Yes, I've heard of it. I know it is one of Chaosium's like fantasy. Yeah. Apparently it was the first Chaosium game. As the GM, who uh, proudly showed me his second edition book from 1976. Wow. Yeah. Now, you guys may have noticed that I'm a little bit of a hipster. What? Right? No. I know. It's surprising. But uh, I'm very much of the new school style of gaming. Yes, you're all about your narratives and your easy-to-understand rule systems. Okay, but I I also have played D and D in the past and stuff like that. Laura that's, learned D and D. That's that's kid shit. <laughs> so Laura learned how to game through me, and her very first camp, her very first role playing experience was Monsters and Other Childish Things. So yeah, uh, okay, we're like kind of eyeing the Numenera table. They're all laughing and having fun, and then these people next to it are playing RuneQuest. It's like, oh, you guys want to join us? We have two extra character sheets. Sure, what what do you know? I'm fine with that. And I pick up the character sheet, and it's just numbers. It is just a page of fucking numbers. And Laura looks at it. You attack with your additional notes? Yeah. Laura looks at it, it's like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Accountants? Accountancy? Wow. Um... And we proceed to, like, sit down into a game that had been going on for, like, 45 minutes. I'm playing a sexy wizard whose entire school of magic is basically reading minds and stabbing things with my broadsword. And Laura's, like, ends up playing this just glib (laughs) Okay. It sounds like you're playing Skyrim. Right. By the way, I should say that the character sheet, um, we don't have hit points or anything like that. We have a, every single body part has its own set of hit points. Yeah. <laughs> like you do. Now, how, how many hit points are in each body part? Like three to four. Okay, that's not too bad. Like, it, it could definitely be worse than that. All I know is that to stab somebody with my sword, I rolled a 1d8 plus a 1d4 plus some form of derived stat that I don't understand. So we're playing this game, and I'm like just trying to teach Laura, like, okay, you just need to roll under your number. 
and we're narrativists, so we like role playing and storytelling and like character interaction. And everyone else on the at the fucking table is a grognard. Oh, jeez. So, like, Laura's making jokes and talking to people, and I'm just being vaguely wizard wizardly to people. And they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, I roll track." Oh, jeez. Oh my god, it was two hours of torture. We got into we got into combat, and I killed a lizard, and it took fucking twenty minutes. The GM was the worst I had, worst GM I've ever seen, and apparently he's been GMing since the seventies. Is he still using the same rule set? Yeah, I mean, BRP basically hasn't changed. Like I said, he had the second edition rule set from the seventies. Well, so <laughs> it was. How did, how did Laura take with all this? Is she ready to come back for another game? <laughs> we we decided that we were going to get dinner before going to see a movie, so uh, we left about two hours into the game. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys, we had plans. And as I'm like, we're walking out to the car, Laura looked me in the eyes and said, Chris, if this was the kind of game you were playing when I first met you, we would never be dating. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh... Shout out to RuneQuest. Uh, 10 out of 10. Everyone should play it. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you highly recommend RuneQuest. <laughs> yeah, two thumbs up. Mm. Uh, let me see. Have you seen... By the way, this made me think of this. Have you seen the Anima character sheet? No. Okay, you are in for a treat. Mm. How many pages um, is it? It is, I believe, four pages. Okay, that's too many. Uh, you depending, I think, depending on whatever character class you're playing, you don't necessarily use all of them. But there are versions of the character sheet that no shit have a uh, Kabbalic Sephiroth on it. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm trying to find like a, a good copy of the of the full character sheet. But yes, it is like. There are so many different like levels of obscurity on this character sheet. It is amazing. Yeah. So Anima is the um like the super super Animu role playing game, and I'm about to drop this into the Skype chat. Take a look at that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you scroll down to I think page six out of the seven. You'll see the, the, the Sephiroth. Now, let me just be frank with you. Okay, like, so I may have nope. said this before about Shadowrun, but first of all, fuck this. <laughs> Shit. Like, here's my problem with this, man. If I need a stapler for my character sheet, no. <laughs> like, like I, I can live with the back of the sheet being, oh, okay. That's my inventory. Psychic projection difficulties. <laughs> now, I believe that all, you only use, like, the front sheet and then one of these other sheets along with it. But, yeah. Why Unless you're, like, a wizard and you use, like, two or three other sheets. What is this fucking Final Fantasy shit? No, that's exactly what it is. It's designed to be the JRPG style uh, role-playing game. We're so it's designed I'm not to be it. unplayable. Oh, 
my my sheet wouldn't scroll down. Yeah, this is shitty. Okay. <laughs> like I'm um, sorry, Anima of uh, you know whoever your publisher is. Like maybe I'm wrong. It's just just it, uh, it used to be Fantasy Flight, but I don't know who owns them now. This looks this looks like you should be turning it in at the end of the the game for a grade <laughs> or something like that. This is way too much. Work. This looks like police evidence. <laughs> Um, I can't even read the friggin' font. Like, it's one thing that, like, you got pretty fonts and shit like that, but when you're using a font that looks like it should be on the next Cattle Decapitation album cover, uh, that I can't read it, like, you know, we need to take this this back to layout, guys. This is Ted Cruz's next Zodiac letter. (laughs) I'm more familiar with Zodiac than I am Ted Cruz. I feel better about myself, though, but no one Well, he's the Zodiac killer after all, so... (laughs) According to Microsoft... (laughs) <laughs> Violets are blue. Michael Jackson did Thriller. Theodore Crows is the Zodiac Killer. Uh, take a look at this one. The the Eorus character sheet. Oh, wait, now it, it died. Hold on. For those of you at home, when I opened up this seven-page character sheet, I'm on a fiber optic with 25 megs download and all that. My computer just went, uh, like trying to open this PDF and all of its girth. It's fatty glory. Oh, photo bucket in my ad blocker. This is pretty bad. Welcome to photo bucket. I understand. Yes, I have disabled my ad. No, I'm not. Fuck you, photo bucket. Oh, they want me to give them two forty nine a month. <laughs> nope. What the fuck? Is this also Anima? No, this is a different game. This is Eorus. There's an entire subsection just called psychology? <laughs> I don't like that it's all like dots that you have to like... It's oh my god! Pride, love, envy? <laughs> what is this game? No, I'm not going to roleplay it. It needs to be a stat right here. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, fuck. oh my god, it's like a fucking Mahjong table in the appearance status and emotional status. Layers upon layers, Chris. Come on. Are you menacing but approachable? Or are you menacing and elegant? Menacing and rough? All I know in, in emotional status, I'm all the way on the left. Oh. <laughs> okay. So these are some crazy character sheets that we'll 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 talk we'll talk about these later. Yeah, we'll save this for this gym. So uh we'll- <laughs> I was gonna say uh Numenera and the other Cypher System games are actually really fun though. You should definitely get a chance to if you get a chance, you should try those out. There are be- um, I know Numeneras or did I say it correctly? No, you didn't. Numenera. No. Mnemonic. Manami. <laughs> I was about to ask. Uh, yeah, no, I, I could tell that the people playing Numenera were having a lot of fun because there was laughter. It's a beautiful book. <laughs> Numenera actually has a really neat uh, character sheet as well because it's um, you can fold it into thirds, so it's like a little pamphlet kind of thing. And then uh, if you play The Strange, which is like their sort of sliders-esque kind of game, they have a character sheet that can dock with other character sheets, depending on like what setting you end up in. It's actually really cool. It's, it does sound neat. It's conceptually interesting. I don't know how that works out. So while Chris was at Free RPG Dungeon Day, uh, I actually went to Origins this past weekend. Got to meet up with uh, Greg from Technical Difficulties, so I had a good time chatting with him. 
and it was free RPG day, and I didn't have enough sense to grab a single free RPG. But man, did I buy a bunch of shit. So, you know, I ended up with some RPGs. So on our tape, on our future for games that we need to play, I went ahead and purchased the new Fear Itself, the second edition, because I wanted to see the the changes that they've made. To oh, the man, system. can I kick another man to death? Oh, I'm sure, man. Like I'm sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you destroy my plot. It would be no problem. But you could throw a guy into a table. It'd be fine. Oh, he dies. Like I, I was thrown to death. <laughs> I was so mad when that happened. Uh, we're getting sidetracked for the dead last game, but we'll we should talk about one. that. <laughs> Good old Texas Aaron. He's <laughs> so anyway. So I picked up the new Fear Itself. Looks nice. Beautiful. I'm interested because Fear Itself was the first iteration of the gumshoe system. And since then, there's been, you know, dead rock. And there was that now. Ashen Stars, excuse me. That was a supplement I was thinking. Ashen Stars, Mutant City Blues, Trail Cthulhu, Nice Black Agents, Time Watch. Am I forgetting anything else? But Double Bumshoe? Bubble, yeah, bubble dum gum, gubble gum bum shoe. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> but like, wait, so, do you mean mnemonic? <laughs> so hey, mnemonic. On the, on the on the bright side, guys, with this accent, I could mispronounce things and people look over it. They're like, oh, <laughs> he's cute. Bless his heart. <laughs> I noticed when he says the word, the letter letter. When he says the number five, he says five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But so I, I picked up Fear Itself and I also picked up, oh God, what else did I grab? Oh, I picked up Cthulhu Confidential, which is the gumshoe one to one. So I'm looking forward to at least having an awkward evening with one of you guys where we sit there and play a role playing game with just me and you. Chris, Chris, I volunteer, Chris. Chris, I'm down. All right, turn to go. Would you be really freaked out if I'm dressed up in a suit and I turn the camera on and you see like a candle? And a bottle of wine, and I'm like, hi, Chris. Uh, <laughs> a, a single rose. Yeah. I mean, I'd prefer that to turn your head and cough. <laughs> so I picked up those two games. I'm looking forward to running them. And man, but you don't know what I'm ha- I have in my hand right now. Well, that actually sounds pretty bad when I say that. As I was saying, I'm holding something in my hand. When I was at Origins, I actually went to the Easy Roller booth and I picked up an Easy Roller Dice Cup which is nice. really nice. And I also picked up the, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ooh, an octagon, like little rolling cage to throw my dice in because my wife was threatening to divorce me as the dice clattered off of my desk. While she oh, was is that like one of like little felt lined? Yeah. I nice. Classy. Uh, oh, Dude, I just can't wait to roll dice in the damn thing. I haven't got to use them yet. So I got my Easy Roller Dice Cup and my Easy Roller Dice Octagon of Doom. So, but yeah, Origins was really nice. So like it's, it's more of a board game, uh, aficionados placed and actual tabletop role playing games. You did have like Pilgrim was there, uh, Chaosium was there. Right. I know an Army's publisher. Atlas. Atlas. Yeah, Atlas was there. Did they did not sell the uh, GM screen? Because I didn't back at that level for Unknown Armies. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll pick that up. They don't sell them individually, Chris. Oh, I believe it. But, so, uh, 
that's that's pretty much my weekend. Noah, you have any fun little things? So I saw Shin Godzilla. <laughs> Boom. There we go. <laughs> so what do you, what do you guys think of Alien Covenants? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, well, I God. haven't seen any movies in a while, actually. Uh, what was the last movie I saw in theaters? Uh, what was the... Let me look at AMC's website. Let's see. If anything on... Oh, God, Cars 3 is out. No, no. <laughs> Let's talk like about Car- Cars 3, guys. No, no tell, explain me. Why is, there, why is people say it was a car Hitler? Why does that exist? I haven't looked for... Like, I need to know this. Okay, we're we're not we're not. All right. So in the Cars universe, World War Two happened. How do we in know this? Con, in the conjoined Cars and Planes universe, the Cars verse, there is a World War Two era Jeep. There is a in planes. There is a flashback by a I think it's a F four four a World War Two airplane. In the Pacific so Theater, in the Pacific Theater, having a he's having a flashback of his squadron getting shot down by ships. <laughs> he crash lands into the water and is hauled up onto a, a a an aircraft carrier. Like they they were on patrol. Like it happened. It fucking happened. This is World Pixar, War. right? You're so angry. So, by proxy, are you saying that there was a there was a cars genocide and a cars holocaust? Yes. Oh my there god! Would have to be. Dark. Wait, wait. So, which car was holocausted? I don't know. Is there a, is there a particular brand of Polish or you know Eastern European car? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not from Europe. I mean, what kind of car was Car Hitler? Was he a VW? I'd like to think so, but <laughs> yeah, he had to have been a Volkswagen. <laughs> wait, then, wait. Does this mean that Mussolini was a Fiat? Yes, yes, it does because there is an Italian in uh, the first Cars movie who is a Fiat, but he wasn't like a you know fascist. I mean, you don't know that. Wait, wait are you sure. sure Mussolini wasn't a fascist? I think he was. Very definitely was. Um, <laughs> but yes, so cars. I don't, I can't talk about cars, all right? All right, turn it into freaking Charlie talking about Pepe Sylvia, and there's just <laughs> notes all over my wall all of a sudden, and I'm smoking like three cigarettes at once, and I like I have a conniption, and it like I have to be like instituted for a month, all right? <laughs> like I can't talk about this shit. Okay. It doesn't make any okay. sense. Do you have yarn in your room? There is a Pope mobile that is then carrying a car that is the Pope. (laughs) What? There are planes (laughs) that are sentient, like the cars. Like how do they? How are they manufactured? How are their little cars? Like are they? How do they reproduce? Are they built? I mean, in Radiator Springs in the first car movies, there's a statue of like the town founder who's a Model T. Does that mean that as cars cars go along, they become different cars? Do they evolve? You know. Yes. So, I just want to say, this is payback for the fucking Shadowrun podcast. <laughs> so, did the world start? Like, what was the first car? I don't know. There's a car pope. Apparently, there must have been a car god who created everything, and then there must be like a car Neil deGrasse Tyson who talks about like the Big Bang. A car Stephen Hawking who is, I don't even know. He just talks through horn beeps, I guess. 
It's Carr Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. You mean Stephen Carking? Yes. <laughs> oh God, this is like I didn't. I never watched Planes, so that's Pixar. So there's. Do you know who? Do you know who plays the main character in Planes? No, <laughs> Dane Cook. <laughs> Good God. That makes it even Railroad? more corrupt. It's even more morally corrupt. Still would be better than Good Luck Chuck, so that's good. Okay, no, I'm sorry to bring up that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to bring Guardians up of that. Guardians of the Galaxy bit. 2. I think that was the last movie I saw in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really good, and everybody should go see it. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I saw it in IMAX 3D, and it was actually really, really nice. So if you can stand having 3D glasses on, uh, I would recommend it. What else? I should probably go see Wonder Woman, but I kind of don't care about the DC movies. Yeah. I am watching it eventually. There's apparently a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which I wish they had stopped after the first one. Um, Yeah, well, the third one was all right. They should have just stopped after the trilogy. So, this is not going to be quite as big of a rant, but I really think that the second and third Pirates movies should have been cut down into like a single movie because there's just so much shit that happens in both of those movies that does not fucking matter. The entire scene where they go to find Jack on the island full of cannibals like does not fucking matter. Nothing happens in that scene that is important to the plot. Why is it there other than to make people roll around in a giant ball and oh, look at wacky Johnny Depp. He doesn't beat his girlfriend. <laughs> I'm, I'm mainly mad at the Pirates movies for kind of ruining Johnny Depp. Outside of, you know, him beating his girlfriend. Yes. Because uh, yes. Dead Man is one of my favorite movies. Crazy, wacky Johnny Depp. He's always in a hat doing something. Thanks, Tim Burton. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I think the last movie I saw in theaters, probably the last one that Chris saw in theaters, was Alien Covenant. Or Alien Covenant. And oh, 10 out of 10 artistic masterpiece. <laughs> Good God. Dude, I watched, so I never watched Prometheus until the day that I watched Aliens Covenant. So I set up that morning, watched Prometheus, was disappointed. Like, okay, maybe now that we're getting into the xenomorphs, it's going to be better. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, so there's You mean this scene? alien bioweapon was actually created by an insane AI, dude? <sighs> it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Um, i tell you how like, stupid it is. Did you ever watch Children of the Corn? Yes. Okay, Very did you know that they made a shitload of sequels to that? I did, but I haven't watched any of them. That's what Aliens Covenant is. It's one of those shitty Children of the Corn sequels. So there's like some little goofy kid like Jacob or something like that, and like he survived and he was evil and blah 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 and then the second one Jacob's got a new cult and blah blah blah. That's what Aliens Covenant is. So you have crappy insane robot and then all of a sudden the entire story of this next you know movie hinges on this pre established character and they set it up for the third in the trilogy will you know, hinge on this same crappy character is what it looks like to me at least. You know the movie itself is one long reference to Lawrence of Arabia, right? Mm-hmm. I actually was aware of that. I saw that. I read that online, and it made sense. Yeah. Wait, Covenant or Prometheus? Both. Covenant. Oh, okay. 
least I thought more Covenant. I, think I know, I know yeah. Prometheus, like, there's, like, explicit Lawrence of Arabia scenes in the fucking movie, so. Yeah, Covenant is more hardcore about it. But, yeah, no, this, I, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. It was a fantastic movie, and I was happy to see it. My favorite thing is when they had the aliens who were half-made white albino thing. And the neomorphs? Out, <laughs> is that what they're called? Yes, that's what they're called. Yep. Let me let me put it this way for those that like we already ruined this movie. Actually, no, wait, the, <laughs> the movie ruined this, ruined this movie. <laughs> let me put it this way. I like Danny McBride, but when Danny McBride is the best thing in your serious horror movie, and he's playing a serious role and he's not smoking pot and making dick jokes, then your movie, like if like I'm saying, it, Danny McBride is the echelon of what this movie can accomplish. <laughs> you're in trouble. Gotta get eastbound down on some aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I did like Fast Principles on HBO. Oh God! Like, I really wish Ridley Scott would, would just stop. What? You're not excited for Blade Runner two? I kind of am, but that's only because it's it's Danny Villeneuve doing it, and like I'm hoping like he has enough sense to like slap. Ridley Scott's hand out of the way when he tries to get his grubby little fingers in on it. Like when he tries to Ridley Scott it up. Yes. Like Ridley, your your time your time is over, dog. I'm sorry. Just sell it to Disney. That's what you need to do. They got George Lucas's <laughs> hand out of Star Wars. And what is Disney's <laughs> aliens. <laughs> It'd be Buena Vista. Oh God. And like when when like after Covenant had come out i like spent a good couple hours in the alien versus predator wiki like just looking up shit like falling into the alien wiki hole <laughs> well let me tell you like that was a deep hole to fall into in the beginning but this latest latest film just turned that whole hole on its head so yeah. oh, God. it just shat on the entire alien background and i love it i tried to tell chris not to watch it Oh no! I can't, I went in knowing full well that it was going to be a bad movie, <laughs> and it it stopped um, Neil Blomkamp from making his own Alien sequel, which probably for the best because everything after District Nine by Neil Blomkamp isn't all that great. Yeah, chap. Like, there's some really good stuff in it, but it's not. Uh, uh. Well, guys, I believe that's about all time we have for today. So I don't know what else to say. Right. <laughs> and just cut the episode hard right there. Yeah, just boom. I don't know what hard to edit. <laughs> no. Well, if you have other things, if you don't have anything else to say, I can talk about us. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. If you if you don't care, just uh, I, I'm too modest to really talk about me. Uh, of course you are, Adam. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can follow us at uh, theroleplanexchange.com or uh, follow us on Twitter at, at rpexchange. Our theme music is Critical Hit by Ghost Mice, and that's on the uh, record company Planet X Records. Follow them for more folk punk goodness. Noah, do you have any uh, particular Archie-related uh, podcasts that you would like to show for a moment here? I am... we Actually, at the time of this recording, uh, episode 13, the final episode for season one of... Um, well... Final episode for the season of Riverdale that just finished airing, but uh, our thirteenth episode for Maple Syrup Blood Money, the uh, Riverdale slash Archie Comics podcast I do with my good friend Kyle, 
is about to come out. So you should go check that out. Give that a listen. Um, even if you don't watch the show, uh, we do like a summary and discussion as we as we record the episode. So um, check that out. Uh, we're going to be doing some episodes with some guests on. Hopefully I can get you two on at some point. Oh, please. Um, show is so to- fucking bad. <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing some episodes with uh, Caleb and Spencer from the Mix 6 really soon. Awesome. Um, we're going to be talking to Adam Jury and uh, Review Cultist slash Crazon, who did some art for the show, along with some arts from some fan art for some older shows, stuff like that. Um, he's also a listener of our pod of RPX. Um, he's really enjoying the the red market stuff we've been doing. Yeah. So, thank you, Crazon. Yes, thank you very much. If you enjoy the fine, polished. Well prepared. We didn't pull this out of our ass about you know thirty minutes before we started recording content that we provide for you. Please swing by iTunes, drop us a comment, a review, add a, add a couple of stars to it. Anything? Oh, you no, do. no, five full stars. Five full we stars. Want, we don't want. We don't want a couple of stars. <laughs> so yeah, if you any any comments, anything like that, it really helps get the podcast out there. Finally, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for your continued patronage. Thank you very much. Chris, thank the nice people. Thank you, guys. And once again, we did not think this through. Not all fights are won by skill. Some are won by luck. Don't ever give in. You've got to keep on trying till you lose or you win. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Wait with hope. For the big two Cross your fingers, roll the die. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it roll, let it go.